okay. Oh, I have mixed feelings, you know, when you get to in a book, it's just 2 Timothy is my favorite book, and I see they're ending here chapter 3. We have only one more chapter to go to finish my favorite book. So I'm hoping you're finding this as your favorite book as well as we go through this. And I'll find as a believer these two verses where there's just no way I could have taught those last week because it would have not done justice of understanding of what God has for us because these two verses are pivotal not only in this chapter but this book. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, as we pick right back up where we left off last week. And yes, if the Lord tarries and yes, allows me to come back again next week, we're going to be, and you too as well, <laughs> and you too as well, we'll be picking right up and finishing, uh, we'll start chapter 4. Now, before we get that, I have to let you know, I'm not sure if you heard, you heard about the thief that took place, the theft that took place? I'm not sure if you heard or not. But yes, this man went to a Shell gas station. And a thief came up and stole from him. And he, when he, after being just traumatized by what he experienced, he called the police department. And the police said, did you get a good look of who the thief was? Could you recognize and identify him if you had the time and you could do that? And he says, absolutely, officer. It was pump number eight. Okay. I don't usually tell jokes, and that's why I don't tell jokes. We'll let that sink in. Times are changing, not only the price of gas, but things are going crazy around our society. And you have no control, and I have no control, of the things that are taking place, including the gas pump. But God is in control, my brothers and sisters. And as we will see, he is in control of your life if you let him. He never forces himself upon you. It's only by the grace of God that he is consistently and wonderfully keeps showing up every day wanting to spend time with you because he loves you. Through his word, he can transform your life and my life. And you have your own testimony of how God has done that. If you do not sit there today, or if you're not hearing this, and say, I don't think I've been transformed, whatever that means, and I'm not sure what you mean by the word of God transforming you, Keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Because God is going to show up and he speaks to his people through his word, the scripture. And we will see that here. Paul is going to speak to young Timothy, his protege, Pastor Timothy there in Ephesus. And is going to encourage him about do not walk away from the word of God. Stay very sound on the simplicity of the word of God. And do not get pulled off into other these little winds of doctrine and changes. And because the culture is changing now, the churches are changing and they're teaching and adding and deleting from the word of God. You do not do that, Timothy. Don't do it. Stay sound, stay firm, just continue to teach the word of God and watch me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, work in and through people's lives to draw them closer to me and to transform the way they think. And it'll be biblical thinking, not worldly thinking. 
not fleshly thinking, but you will have a biblical foundation and a biblical worldview. So when you see these things changing in front of you, you've got your biblical eyes on, your glasses on, and you see clearly what is going on and how that compares to what God thinks. And we will make our decisions in life what pleases him and him alone. Amen? That is what we have to keep in mind. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. The question is how we respond to it in a biblical way is what pleases God, regardless of how you feel. So as we take a look here, if you remember in verse 14 of chapter 3, we say you, we must continue. You must continue in these truths that you've been taught, Timothy, from, your, from probably birth. Your mother, your grandmother has taught you the word of God. And don't walk away from those. I, God has brought me, Paul, in your life, Timothy, and I have discipled you up. And I've continued to encourage you in the faith by teaching you the word of God. Don't stray from that word of God. Don't stray from that. Don't go be picking the things up from this world that they try to, the philosophies of men and all these other psychobabble stuff going on. Don't be fooled by these. This is false teaching. And he warns him all the way through this letter and he continues to bring him back to say, you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Why? Because in verse 13 he says, because there are evil men. There are imposters that are coming into the church and trying to take you and all the gullible people who, say they're, who declare themselves Christians, but they're gullible because they don't know the word, and they're taking them and straying them and moving them away from the, the, the truths of God, the scripture. And there's evil men, and those are obvious. These people are blatantly, absolutely hate Jesus Christ, and they will tell you they hate Jesus Christ, and they don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. And those are obvious evil men. But then there's imposters, Paul says. These are people who have a form of godliness. People who say they're Christians. They say that they're a certain way. They say they live a certain way. But behind the scenes... They are not living the way God wants you to live. They're living contrary. And they will slowly try to convince you to walk away from the word of God and go into justifying how it's okay to live in sin. That should not happen. If you're growing and maturing as a Christian, you are on high alert that anything or anyone that comes through that TV or through a book or through any neighbor, any work, it doesn't matter who it is, whoever has, make sure those individuals or that if those forms of entertainment will not sway you from the truths of God. You must be on guard. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Back in that days, they didn't have TV. They didn't have all these things that are just filtering in through your phone and your computers all 24-7. And how difficult it can be today. But with the Holy Spirit who lives within you, He is going to give you the power to deal with it. If you let Him. And one of the key things is the Scripture. We see here Paul takes him back to the, the scripture. Why? Because he's saying to them in the last days there will be more deception. More imitation of the form of godliness that will be out there. You will be able to, a plethora of things that you just have to, you just have to do a 
engine search and you will find all kinds of false teachings. That's why I don't encourage you to do that. Read the scripture, my brothers and sisters. Read the scripture. You have it right in front of you. And that's why, because in the end times, the only way a believer will be able to tell the truth of God from the falsehood that comes from in the form of that is to know the word of God, to know the scripture. And when you do that, you hear, thus says the Lord. That's, if you can get those words in your mind, thus says the Lord. That means when someone tries to sway you, you just says, no, thus says the Lord, you shall not. Or yes, you should. Because you know the word of God. You know the scripture. You've been studying it. You've been hearing it and listening to it. Digesting and applying it. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That transforms a person's life. And Paul began in chapter 3 warning Timothy about these dangerous times, these terrible times that will be coming in these last days. Many Christians are swept away by these, these perilous times when difficult things happen in this world and changes so radically and so rapidly, it causes people to be paralyzed or overwhelmed by society and they have a tendency, if you're weak, to go into hiding. But that's not good for you and I. We don't, we don't want to find ourselves choosing that option to hide, to isolate yourself, to walk away from the, the support system of fellowship and the love of the fellowship to encourage you and to walk away from the scripture that is there to guide you and to instruct you as we will learn uh, here in verses 16 and 17 the things that God does through in, in and through his word. We must stand strong and stay in the word of God, the scripture. Now some would say I needed the scripture when I was young. How many times I've seen over the years in the ministry where the adults will come and drop their kids off at the children's ministry just because they know their kids need it because they're a mess. They're a teenager. You have no idea. Well, I raised two teenagers. I know. And how many adults will say the children need to know the word of God and the parents will go out of their way to find a school or find a church that has some kind of program for their children because they think the program is going to save their children. But let me reassure you, my brothers and sisters, unless you're saved, unless you're living the word of God, your children are in great danger of not wanting to desiring the things of God. So that no program of any church is going to save your kids. So how many people come in here and say, do you have this program? Yeah, we teach the word of God. We, you know, we do exactly what the word of God says. Yes, we have all these things that can help your children. But most of all, yes, your children need the word of God. But don't be fooled, my brothers and sisters. Don't get deceived here. Don't have a mindset that your children need the word of God. But now you being older, you don't need the word of God as much. <laughs> who needs it more than your children you why because you have greater temptations than your children and you make more serious decisions about the life of your family than your children <laughs> let me emphasize that your children shouldn't be making the major decisions in your household you know that 
as much as they think they know everything, they do not know everything, okay? You're responsible to raise your family in a godly way. You need to know the word of God more than anybody else in that family, especially you men, because you're going to be held accountable by God and how you raised your family according to the ways of God. Now, that's just a little side note. We will never outgrow the word of God. You will never outgrow the scripture. At any point, you find and you get righteously prideful and say, I already know the word of God, and there's nothing you can teach me. I already know it all. <laughs> you're, you're spiraling down. You just don't know it. It's a danger mindset to have. That's why Paul says to Timothy in verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is really important two verses because it starts by saying, Paul says here, all scripture. In the Greek, the Latin, I don't care what language you have it in, do you know what all means? All. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not only certain things in the scripture, but all scripture. Why is that important? Because some of you have come from many churches who've said that this is not the word of God, that it's just certain parts are world, the word of God and other parts are not. Realize that's false teaching. You've been deceived if you believe that. Because the scripture tells us all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This indicates that we're not talking just the Old Testament, but Paul is telling Timothy, it's the Old Testament that you learned when you were young by your mother and your grandmother, but it's also the scripture that is coming about now in the New Testament, as Paul was alluding to in the scriptures and in other parts of his epistles, how God is now bringing the Holy Scriptures to completion as he brings through what we refer to as the Word of God today. And we see here that Paul changed the wording here because he recognized that God uniquely brought forth the apostles and the prophets in his time that is also referred to as the scriptures. And it was also God-breathed word of God that was given not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as we refer to it. We see that highlighted in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 by Paul when he says, Foundation of the apostles and prophets. That is what he's referring to as the, the scripture that God has given through man as God-breathed and given to man to write down. Now, as we take a little bit more in details of that, this would fully promise, fulfill the promise that Jesus mentions in John 16, verse, 30, or verse 13, when he says that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would speak to the apostles and lead them into all truth. All truth. There's no doubt Paul thought in this way and his time that he knew without a question that God was bringing forth a New Testament through the apostles and prophets in the first century. 
Now, Paul commanded the public congregation or the congregational reading of his letters as would be done in the Hebrew Scripture. It was important that he understood that the words that he was writing was from God and needed to be taught to all the people. You go back and read Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Read 1 Thessalonians 5, 27 as the warning of understanding that this the word, his word, his letters must be taught to the congregation. That is what we're still doing today. Or you should be doing it today. We also know that Paul called his own message the word of God. How do we know that? 1 Thessalonians 2.13. In 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul combined a quotation from the Old Testament and some words of Jesus recorded in Luke 10.7, and he called both of them the Scripture. So there's no question in our minds as we read this, the, the word of God, it is from God. All scripture, not just pieces of it, not just the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, all scripture. And we see all scripture combines the old and new. So any church that teaches just New Testament, they're not teaching all scripture. Not good. Paul wasn't the only one who thought this way. We see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. The same indication that Peter is saying that Paul's writings are, are under the heading of the scripture. And it was very clear to, even to Peter that God was using Paul to write down God's word. And all of this reminds us of the apostolic times that we live in. That we see that they were aware that God was bringing forth more Holy Scripture just as Jesus promised, just as Paul described, and just as Peter understood that God was doing this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I say that very slowly because some people will twist this word, these words and make it sound different. And you have to have ears to hear. Because people have a tendency to exhort what they want to do with the word of God to justify their lifestyle. Paul exhorted Timothy here. Timothy, you must continue in these things because the Bible comes from God and not from man. It is God-inspired book breathed out from God himself through man. All scripture is God-breathed. That is doctrine. Some people say, what is doctrine? I just gave you sound doctrine, truth from God, from his word. All scripture is God-breathed. The doctrine of the inspiration of scripture. That is a doctrine you must understand, hold to, to the truth. That is, is non-negotiable when it comes to the truths of God. It's vitally important that you understand that doctrine. Why? Because it is one of the key doctrines Satan is constantly attacking in the church. Satan is absolutely attacking the fact that the, the scripture, all scripture, is God-breathed from God directly speaking to you and I. 
Satan is going to attack that. He started that right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. When he says to Eve, has God indeed said? That's exactly the same thing Satan does today. Oh, come on. Did God really say that? Yes, let me open up the scripture and show you. Well, I don't think that is of God. That, that part of the scripture is not from God. You've been fooled. That's, that's false teaching, whatever you're listening to. That all scripture is from God. And once you get that solidified, and you stop allowing the attacks from the enemy to convince you that it's okay not to read and understand the word of God in totality, it will help you to grow in your knowledge understanding, but mature as a Christian. That's why we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, all 66 books. You just stick with me. It's been 10 years and we haven't even finished the 66 books yet. You just hang in there with me. We'll make it. See, this means more than just saying God inspired the men who wrote it. Though we believe that. God also inspired the very words they wrote. No, no question. But we must notice it doesn't, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say all scripture writers are inspired by God. Even though that was true too. It isn't that God breathed into human authors of the scripture. That is true. But when God says, he says that God breathed out of them his holy word. Now, hold with me here on this thought. Remember, the Holy Spirit of God used men of God to write the word of God. Where do we see that? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. The Spirit does not erase the natural characteristics of the writers. He doesn't change the characteristics of the writing style. He doesn't change the vocabulary that those men he used to write down. That's why we can see when we study the words and you study like Paul's writings, you can go, that's the way Paul writes. It sounds like Paul. And you go over to another like Peter and you can see a different style of writing, a different type of vocabulary. Why? Because God did not take away the natural characteristics of the writer. But they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write down the, the words that God needed them to write down for us. In fact, God in his providence. Again, a very key doctrine that you must know in the scripture. God's providence, his care, his in, he's in control over the lives of his people. In his providence prepared the writers for the task of writing the scriptures. God brought about the miracle of those scriptures being written. It's a miracle that this happened. Why? And here's, again, another doctrine. God is truth. Say that in your mind. God is truth. You must understand that doctrine. Why? 
Because when you take a look at the scriptures, we go back to the scriptures and we cannot and would not at all ever think that God would give to you and I, his people, a book that you could not trust. Do you see how simple that is? Even a child can understand this. Why do not adults understand it? Because adults choose they don't want to understand that God is true and that the scripture is the truth. Children do. Why? Because you cannot walk away from the true doctrine of understanding that God is truth. And if God is truth, then when he says, I wrote down all the scripture, that means I wrote down all the truth. How do we know this? Well, let me give you the verses for those who are taking notes. He, God is truth, Deuteronomy 32.4. Jesus is the truth, John 14.6. The Spirit is truth, 1 John 5, 8, or 5, 6, excuse me. And Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. That's why we can, we can base our life on the, the cornerstone of who Jesus Christ is and being the word to give us the truth to base our livelihoods on making decisions about our life and our families. If you don't use the scripture as your foundation of your life, you are on quicksand, man. You're sinking and you have no clue. Maybe you do, but if you're honest with yourselves, you're desiring, you're not being fed if you're not being fed the scripture. You're sinking. Your whole life is coming unglued and is spiraling out of control and you're like trying to figure out how to grab. You need to let go and let God work in your life and transform your life by the reading of the word of God and studying of the word of God. We must continue to remember, even in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands, how long? Forever. Do you know that scripture? If you don't, I recommend you memorize it. Go back to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. What other book can compare to the Bible? So many have tried. Matter of fact, many people have said, go write your book. Go write your book because you think you know everything. And let's see over the test of time if it's inspired and it's going to even stand up to any amount of time. No, it won't. Many have tried. Only the Bible will last forever. There is no book like the accuracy and the truth of it. There is no other book that has this continuity and consistency about it. There is no other book that has such honesty about it. There is no one that's been circulated around the world like the Bible. There is no other book that has survived even against the enemy who's tried to destroy and take out the Bible. And there is no other book that has the tremendous life-changing influence and power in one's life. There is no other book. Why? Because 
God gave us his word. Many will argue that the Bible is a unique book. I recognize it's a unique book, but it's like any other religious books that I've read. But it does not prove that God inspired it. It's just a bunch of men, 40 plus authors, just kind of putting it together. And that's all it is. But there is one great evidence that God has built into his word to overcome that excuse. Do you know what that is? He built in his word called prophecy, fulfilled prophecy. And that is when God speaks of a truth that is fulfilled hundreds and thousands of years later to the accuracy. And there is no way anyone could have done it without God doing it. Peter wrote about how we can know the scriptures are really from God and he spoke about this certainty in his letters. We see in 2 Peter 1.19, we also have the prophetic word made more sure, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place. Peter understood when he heard those words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter said that even more certain than, than a voice from heaven, speaking from heaven, is knowing the Bible is from God. God's ability to precisely speak and predict future events in the Bible is his own way of building proof for the Bible is, right, is built right into the text and you cannot get around it. So what does Satan do? Convince you not to understand prophecy. <laughs> to listen to prophecy or even hear people speak about the prophecies of God. For example, there's 332 distinct Old Testament predictions Regarding the Messiah, which Jesus fulfilled perfectly. His birth was spoken of in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. Not only his birth, but birth in Bethlehem, right? To the specifics. His emergence from Egypt. His healing of the sick. His death on the cross. Goes on and on and on. 332. For you mathematicians, can you imagine the calculations you can go through? Tenth to the uh, seventeenth power, I believe. That's a lot of zeros for me. I'm not the mathematician. Even if it's just six fulfilled, it's to the seventeenth power. It's 154th power, I believe, if it's just 48 of the prophecies of the 332 fulfilled. You mathematicians, go back and do the calculations. You'll make your day. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And that's why we must remember another key point. We also need to understand that one may believe in the inspiration of the Bible in principle. In principle, I believe that God inspired and breathed his word through men. But it's a, a whole nother level when you deny it in practice. Let me say that again. I'm going to do it gentle. 
There's one thing to know that this is God's word. And, and people can quickly, oh yes, that's God's word. That's the, that's the scripture. But it's a whole other level when you actually believe it to a point where you actually apply it to your life. Most people in practice, practical principle, I should say, principle, they believe it. But in practice, they deny it. That should not be. And how do we do that? We're so subtle sometimes. How, how do we deny the practice of it? Well, let me give you a few examples. We do this by imposing our own meaning on the text instead of letting, letting the Bible speak for itself. You come up with weird rationalization of what the word of God, what the word of God means. Another way is we do this by putting more of ourselves in the message than what God says. Again, taking and diverting away from the word of God. We do this by being more interested in our opinions and our stories when we preach or when we speak than in explaining and proclaiming what God has already said. That's why you don't get stories from me. Maybe a bad joke once in 10 years, but that, that's all you get, one bad joke in the beginning. But you won't get stories from me, and you won't get my opinions from me. I want you to know the word of God. I, the scripture is what I want you to know. So when you leave here, you'll remember what the word of God says. Not what I ate for breakfast and how it applies to my life today. No. We do this. Sometimes we deny the practice of really believing that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God by being lazy in our reading of the word of God or laziness in studying and learning and to take the scripture out of context. One of the challenges is if you've been studying the word of God that will just drive you crazy is when you hear people teaching on a particular verse and it's completely out of context. But it makes them, their story sound really good. That's why I always encourage you. I give you as much scripture as I can so that you can go back and be like a Berean and study the word and make sure it, you understand it is completely in context. Now the question is, what do you do with that truth? Do you apply it to your life or not? That's, that's between you and the Lord. But we must remember, the religion that fears the Bible is not the religion of God. Any religion that tells you, ah, I don't want to read the word of God. Oh, that that makes me just, ah, I don't know if I can handle it. And you're like going to me right now. Oh, well, who would do that? Ah, be very careful. How many people have read the, the book of Revelation? Not many. Why? Because you're fearful of what the future holds. 
How many of you read the book of Job? Ooh, I don't want that to happen to my life. I'm not going to read that. So be very careful when you say, why would you not read all the word of God? Why do you mean fear? Well, there's churches that do not teach about sin. They never mention the word sin. They never mention the blood of Christ. They never mention hell. They never mention consequences. They don't do that. Why? Because it's a church that says, you need to fear those things. We don't want to teach those because they won't make you feel good today. Be very careful. That's exactly what happens. It's subtle, but that's denying the practical, the practice of knowing that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Remember, biblical inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the Bible's writers, which guaranteed what they write was accurate and trustworthy for you and I. Absolutely concrete, solid rock to stand on. Many people say, what is Revelation? When they say the revelation of God, what means, that means the communicating of truth to the man by God. That's why we have God reveal a revelation to your people in and through your word so that they can understand. You can communicate to us your truth so that we understand them clearly so that we can then make a decision to apply it to our lives. That's a revelation. Inspiration has to do with the recording of this communication in a way that is dependable. God gave his word to man and it was dependently, dependable and guaranteed trustworthy written down exactly the way God wanted to be to give it to his people. I hope at this point you have gotten over the, I don't know, take or leave it kind of mentality of the word of God. If you haven't understood that all scripture has been given by God and it is true and good for you today to to, to partake of, I hope you'll meditate today on what you've been hearing. Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked by many religious leaders that says something very slightly different and here's what they say. All scripture that is inspired by God is profitable. That's not what the word of God says, but that's what religious people say. Because then it makes them open up the opportunity to justify why they think they're in a higher authority to make a decision of what they will or will not follow in the word of God. That's why people who live in habitual sin still call themselves Christian and still go to church. And you go, how can that happen? Because I can see in the word of God that this is clearly they're in habitual sin. And God warns you of this. Because they don't believe that that part of the scripture is inspired or given by God. That was man's culture at the time. Now cultures change. That means we need to change the Bible. 
my brothers and sisters, if that is speaking to your heart right now, and it probably is, I want to speak to you. I want to help you overcome that false teaching and understand all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It, your life depends upon it. And it's, he says at the end of verse 16, and it's profitable. What does what it mean to be profitable? Paul says to Timothy, continue in these things because the scripture is profitable. Profitable in how? Well, let me give it to you. He gives four things at the end of verse 16. Profitable for doctrine. What does that mean? The scripture tells us what is right. Got it simple for you. The kids can understand this. What is doctrine? What is right? It's profitable to tell you what is right. You want to know what right and wrong is in the decisions you're making? Get in the, the scripture because he's going to show you what is right. It's perfect. It's profitable for doctrine. It tells us what is true about man. It tells us what is true about God. It tells us what the, what the world we live in and what that is true in the world that is to come and how it's going to change. The word of God teaches us all that truth. That's one reason why we read the word of God. The second Paul tells Timothy, it's profitable for reproof, which means the scripture tells us what, what is not right. <laughs> not only does the Bible tell us what is right, he tells us, the scripture tells us what is not right. So he doesn't leave you out there going, okay, this is right, but he didn't speak about this, so is it right or right? No, no, he's not, God is not leaving out these empty things of what to, how to live a life. He tells you what is right, doctrine, and he will reproof you through the word of God, which tells you what is wrong. Are you with me? And that's so important because we want to know. He has the authority to rebuke or reprimand us if we're doing something that is not right. So what do you do when you're immature? When you're an immature Christian and God, you start reading or hearing the word of God and it rebukes you, it reprimands you, it scolds you, what do you do? Do you act immature and say, I'm not listening to my father? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to avoid and be passive aggressive and I'm leaving and I'm not going to listen to this. I'll go find somewhere else that just gives me cotton candy. and tells me I'm good and I, I'm loved and, and I can do whatever I want to because I just... No, that's immaturity. Maturity says, oh, Father, thank you for telling me I'm doing something not right. The third thing that Paul tells Timothy, what the scripture does, is it's profitable for correction. That means the scripture tells us how to get right. <laughs> our, our Heavenly Father is so good. Let me tell you what is right. What's, let me tell you what is not right. And let me tell you how to get right. He'll even show you through the scripture how to get your life right. Do you not feel the love of God? He didn't leave you out there stranded. He actually shows you how to get it right. I know you and I have tried many times to get it right, and we screw it up even more when we try to get it right. I'm telling you, just follow the scripture and do what the scripture shows you what is right, and you will never go wrong. And lastly, 
We've come to the understanding that the authority of God corrects us in his beautiful way of grace and a beautiful way of love and showing us how to get it right. And we see the fourth thing that Paul says to Timothy, it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. The scripture tells us how to stay right. (laughs) This is very encouraging to me when I understood the scripture. Not only will God show me what is right so I can focus and target on it, but he'll tell me what's not right by reading the scripture. And if I continue to read the scripture, he's going to show me how to get it right, to correct me, to get on track again. I was off track, now I can get back on track. But then I always have that fear, but what if I screw up again and I go back to doing what was wrong? God says, I got this. (laughs) That's why I told you. I have the ability to, it's profitable. If you read the scripture, I'm going to give you instructions in righteousness. That's going to tell you and I how to continue to stay right with God. Why were you worried? How many times do we not grow in our relationship with God because we fear of not, of screwing back up? But you're sitting there going, Pastor, you have no idea about my life. I have gone God's way and then went back to my own way. I went God's God's way. I assure you, the reason why you're ping-ponging back and forth is because you don't stay in the Scripture. And I didn't just say read it. You must do it. That means you have to practice it. That means... That means you're going to have to sweat a little bit. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to get me. You don't sit there and say, I want to look like a certain way without doing the work. It just doesn't work that way. You got to keep practicing. You're going to fall down, get back up, keep going. Keep marching ahead, following him. Remember, keep it very simple. We can understand the scripture. And if the Bible could not be understood, there would be nothing profitable about it. If God didn't give us his word and the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you to instruct you and give you an understanding of the word of God, then it wouldn't be profitable. Paul wouldn't be able to tell Timothy it's profitable if it's not profitable. If you have your testimony, I can assure you in my own life, it is very profitable, the transformation of what I used to be like and what I am today. It's because I stayed in the Word of God and kept practicing and practicing and doing and doing what the Word of God said. And I didn't get it all right all those years, especially that first year of getting saved. It's like a roller coaster, 20-year-old roller coaster, man. Living like the world, living like God, living like the world, living like God. What about me? How can I live my life the way I want to live? All those crazy. Just keep showing up regardless of how you feel, my brothers and sisters, and watch God work all that out. Stay in the scripture. Verse 19, or verse 17. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped in every good work. So what is Paul saying here? Paul says to Timothy, continue in these things. 
Because the Bible makes you complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Where does these good works come from? God. God directs your lives and shows you and puts the desires in your heart to serve him. But I don't know how to do those things. I know. That's why it's going to be of God, because he's the one that's going to equip you and to do those things, and it will blow your mind. I assure you, my brothers and sisters, standing up here teaching the word of God was the last thing I would ever think of doing. Because I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I had never read a Bible or heard the scripture taught ever until my late 20s. So it was never on my radar. The military was on my radar, getting really rich in the business world and doing well with that. That was high on my radar. But to, to start a church in New York in a little town called Watertown? I know I was living in California the rest of my life, I thought. <laughs> God's sense of humor. So God has a way of absolutely aligning your life to the plan that he has for your life. He has a plan for it. And it's good. It's right. And it's lovely. And you have to be reassured that when he says, Paul says, how can you become a person of God? How can you become a man of God or a woman of God? By studying the word of God. By obeying the word of God. Letting the word of God, him, do a work in and through your life. Allowing him to do it. Be devoted to the scripture. Why? Because complete doesn't mean that the whole Christian life is all about reading the scripture. No, it's not all about just reading the scripture. It's also, but it's important for us to be in the word of God, which then drives us to want to pray, want to serve and be obedient and to fellowship and to do these things that the scripture talks about. And when it means to be complete, it means to fulfill your Christian life in, that is pleasing to God. You won't be saying, oh Lord, do I, I want to please you. No, by just being in the scripture and being in prayer and being in fellowship and being a willing a vessel to be used by God to serve because he's equipped you to do things for him that pleases and honors and glorifies him, you will be complete in your life. There's not going to be that emptiness and uncertainty and, and, and confusion and all these things that when you're focused on yourself or focused on the world, that's what it brings. The scripture leads you and me into everything we need. If you're willing to be a hearer and a doer of the word. We see that in James as well. That's why it's always important as a pastor. I'm never in the business, as they say, to build a, um, a sermon appreciation or a sermon entertainment center for people to come to. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to help you to understand the scripture. So that you can not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. 
and then you become complete. And when you're complete, you are the most joyful person as a Christian. You'd be so much joy and peace and really filling your life if you just keep showing up. The man of God may be complete. The scripture transforms us by a spiritual work. A spiritual blessing which God works in and through us as we follow him as he speaks to us by his word. And this spiritual work goes beyond your intellect. It goes beyond your own abilities. It goes beyond your own plan of action, that 10-year plan you thought you could figure all out on your own one night. And oh, someone else may have given you a plan. And it will go beyond all of that. When you follow God and allow Him to work in your life, a spiritual work will be identified in your life and will clearly show you step by step as you take steps of faith. You and I want this whole thing played out. Show me what my next 10 years will look like, and then I'll, I'll be fine. No, that's not, it doesn't take faith to do that. You live, and I live day by day, just doing what God's telling us and showing us to do in and through the Word. And let me give you these final words here to help you understand how important the Scripture is. One, the Scripture gives us eternal life. 1 Peter one twenty three. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruption or incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. The scripture spiritually cleanses you and I. How do we know that? In Ephesians 5:26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The scripture uh, gives us power against demonic spirits. How do we know that? In Ephesians 6:17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Use the word of God to combat back demonic forces that come against you. The next one is, the, spirit, uh, the scripture brings spiritual power to heal our bodies. How do we know that? Matthew 8.16, he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. The next one is his scripture brings us spiritual strength. How do we know that? Psalms 119 verse 28. My soul melts from heaviness. Someone's heaviness, a depression or an oppression in your life. That heaviness, how does he overcome it? My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Do you want to solve your deepness of oppression and depression and loneliness and emptiness? Go down the list. Let me tell you, my brother, let me tell you, my sister, how you want to come out of that is not by medication. It is by the scripture. It's by the scripture. And watch him melt away that heaviness that's weighing you down. The scripture has the power to spiritually build faith in us. We see that in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't be convinced to stop hearing the word of God. 
listen to it every time you gather here at the church. I encourage you, if you, as you're sitting down and you're listening or you're reading the Word of God, I encourage you to listen to the radio station and listen to the teaching of the Word of God. Do Use all that opportunity to hear the Word of God and allow God to speak to you in and through that. Because if this spiritual level on which the Word of God operates is beyond your own understanding. Many people get discouraged because they don't feel like they get anything out of reading the Word of God. Keep showing up because even though intellectually you may not think you're getting anything, spiritually it's feeding your soul. Keep reading. Keep listening. And it will come. We must work to understand the scripture. We must keep showing up and opening the word and reading a little here and a little there to help you to grow. Because the scripture is going to do a spiritual work in you. He will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to make a way in your life to change you if you continue to be in the scripture. You know, the biggest purpose, I don't know about going to the Bible studies, women's Bible study, that's Tuesday night, men's Bible on Thursday night. I don't know if I have time, you know. Everyone has time. The question is, is priority. Reading on your own, or if you need help in understanding the Word of God, then plug into one of the ministries to help you, to teach you until you can read it on your own. Because the purpose of the Bible study is not just to understand doctrine or to be able to defend the faith, even though those are extremely important while you study the Scripture. The ultimate purpose is the equipping of the believers who read it. It is the word of God that equips people to do the work of God. You want to be a better mother? Then read the word of God. You want to be a better leader, a father? Then you need to read the word of God. Do you want to be a better employer or employee? You need to read the scripture because the scripture will show you how to do that. Regardless of your profession. Regardless of your marital status. Regardless, regardless of your anything of your stature of what this world defines you as. If you want to grow an understanding of who you are in God, then read the scripture and how he's called you to do things for him, wherever it may be. He will equip you. If you feel inadequate as a father, or as a husband, or as a mother, a wife, I encourage you to read the scripture. Listen to the scripture. We must purpose in our hearts to separate us away from the false teaching that's out there and devote ourselves to which is true and what is right and continue to study the scripture. I assure you, God can and will and desires to do a wonderful work as you study the scripture.